Welcome to Woody Online. My name's Stuart, I'm one of the leaders here. And today we are continuing our series, looking at the original church through the first part of the book of Acts. Today, we're gonna to be looking at chapter four, verses one to 31. And this is really a continuation of the last chapter and the events that happened there that Martin covered last week when Peter and John healed a crippled beggar who had been for many years sitting at the gates to the temple in Jerusalem. So to help with understanding the context of chapter four, and for those of you that weren't with us last week, we're gonna pick up the reading in chapter three, verses 11 to 16, when Peter addresses the crowd after the healing has taken place. So we'll read those five verses and then we will jump to the start of chapter four. So it makes it quite a long reading. I'm not going to apologize for reading scripture, but you might want to close your eyes as you listen. You can try to imagine yourselves in Jerusalem, visualizing these events unfolding before your eyes. So I'll pray and then we will read. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that all scripture is God breathed and we pray now that by your spirit you would breathe life into your word and that as we explore this passage you would meet with us, you would open our eyes to something maybe we have not recognised before. In Jesus name, Amen. So from Acts chapter 3 verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he has decided, had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong, it is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. And then we jump forward to chapter four. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem 
Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note, and these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So in short, after their healing, Peter and John addressed the crowd. And that got some of the leaders, particularly the Sadducees, agitated. And Peter and John were arrested 
and brought before the Sanhedrin for questioning. We then have a second speech by Peter to this gathering of leaders. Then after they are eventually released, we have Peter and John returning to the other disciples and the account of their prayer meeting. So before we go any further, let's just look at some of these characters. The Sadducees are the main protagonists. Politically, they were the aristocratic, wealthy ruling class, and they had collaborated and conspired to ingratiate themselves with the Romans. And so they were worried about the subversive teaching of the apostles. And theologically, they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in the supernatural at all. They believed the messianic age had actually started much earlier. So they saw the apostles as both agitators and heretics, disturbers of peace and enemies of truth. We also have the temple guard, who was the chief of the temple police, second only to the high priest in ranking. He was responsible for law and order. Then it talks about the Sanhedrin. So there were 71 members of this ruling council, included the high priest who were told about, Annas, uh, elders who would have been clan leaders, teachers of the law who were scribes, well-educated people who copied, conserved and interpreted the law. And then we have various family members of the high priest, Caiaphas, who was Annas's son-in-law, and then John and Alexander are named, but we do not know much about them. For Peter and John, it must have brought back memories of Jesus's trial, and they refer to that later on in the prayer meeting. He was only a few weeks before brought before the Sanhedrin as well. Many of the same characters would have been present. Could Peter and John expect justice from this court? Were they heading towards the same fate? So I want to draw a few things out of this passage today, but before we do that, anyone who knows me will know that I love sport. And one of the things that I love is about the incredible stories of achievement. I'm also fascinated by some of the parallels between sport and the life of faith and in the church, the interplay of the individual and the team, the role of the coach or mentor. I don't wanna to focus too much on that today, but as a keen runner, one of my heroes over the last five to 10 years has been Eliud Kipchoge. You probably have heard of him. He's the guy that became the first man to run 26.2 miles in under two hours. He's won two Olympic gold medals. He holds the official marathon world record and he's won eight of the marathon majors, including the London Marathon four times. He's widely regarded as the greatest marathon runner of all time. If I towed the line with him, I wouldn't be able to keep up for more than maybe the first 0.2 miles of the marathon. He would then run another 26 miles at the same pace while I would be coughing and spluttering in the gutter. 
When you look from a distance, the achievements of people like Kipchoge seem superhuman. Then you look more closely and they seem much more normal. Certainly with Eliud Kipchoge. He lives a humble life on a farm in Kenya. He spends much of his time in a training camp where it's well known he gets involved with all the chores of the whole group. He doesn't lord it over people despite being the greatest of all time. And then you look at what makes him stand out, what makes him achieve so much. And I won't bore you with all the details, but there'll be a bit of genetics. There's an awful lot of training. There'll be other things in his past and his childhood. I could have picked one of many great sports people, men and women, who seem to achieve superhuman feats. But underneath it all, they are ordinary people like you and I. And then we can look at what is it that enables them to achieve these things? What's that got to do with this passage? Well, in chapter four, Peter and John are in front of the Sanhedrin. They've addressed the crowd after this incredible moment and this miraculous healing. A healing that no one is disputing. This man of more than 40 years of age, he hasn't just been healed of some minor ailment. This was a huge transformation. And this guy is standing there beside them. The people have recognized a miracle has been done. The Sanhedrin have recognized a miracle has been done and they admit they cannot deny it. And in verse 13, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were ordinary men. This doesn't mean they were totally illiterate when it says they were unschooled. What it means is they hadn't been theologically trained, nor were they professional preachers. And that's one of the things that's concerned to the Sadducees and to the scribes who were the educated, knowledgeable, wealthy people in society. We can take huge encouragement from this. It's very easy sometimes to think we're not good enough, that we haven't had all the right training. We aren't clever enough. We can't speak eloquently enough. We don't have the skills or abilities to be confident. Well, this passage puts that to one side. These are ordinary people without specialist training. As we have opportunities to share our faith with our friends or whether we're wanting to invite them to something like Alpha that we've been discussing recently. We don't necessarily need to wait for the time when we have all the answers ready. God can use us, ordinary people. But as we look at these ordinary people who have done something extraordinary, as the crowd had asked them and now the rulers of the day are asking them, what is it that has enabled them to do this great miracle? Well, as we read on in verse 13, we see that the leaders 
recognised these men had been with Jesus. What they did have was the benefit of being discipled by Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit and with confidence in the name of Jesus, nothing else. They understood who Jesus was. They understood the power in his name. They had seen the risen Jesus. They had a personal encounter and they had been discipled by him for the last few years. In chapter three, Peter had addressed the crowd as to how the miracle was achieved. And he said to them, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? It wasn't anything that they had within them. In verse 16, he says, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him. That time spent with Jesus meant they were equipped to do great things. Have we been discipled by Jesus? Have we put ourselves in that place to see him at work, to experience the risen Christ, to serve an apprenticeship? Not only had they been with Jesus, they were committed to prayer. In chapter one, uh, and we looked at that a few weeks ago, we looked at how they, the disciples were together constantly in prayer. Then in chapter two, Annabelle explored how they devoted themselves to prayer. Here again from verse 23, after they released by the Sanhedrin, Peter and John gather with the other disciples and they pray. There is a really clear recurring pattern through these first few chapters of Acts, gathering together, praying together, with one mind. Peter and John had just had the first taste of persecution and there's more to come through the book. And in the face of this, they pray for boldness and they pray for more, for more healings in the name of Jesus. In verse 29, it says, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they were ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. They were committed to prayer and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In chapter two, we had the Pentecost account and Mark Fairweather Tall was with us. And he explored that, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, each preached in a language that the visitors to Jerusalem could understand. In verse eight of chapter four, it says that as Peter was addressing the Sanhedrin, he was filled with the Spirit. It provided the words he needed. Then in verse 31 of this chapter, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Their prayers were answered, but the empowering of the Holy Spirit is what enabled them to preach boldly. 
and it's bearing fruit. Remember, we aren't long after Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit arrived, Peter spoke to the crowd and we're told about 3,000 were added to the church. Now we have this second speech by Peter in chapter three to the crowd after this man is healed uh, and he's been arrested and taken away. And we're told that the number of believing men, and we can interpret from that when you include women and children, it increases, but the number of believing men swells to 5,000. So the arrest of Peter and John doesn't stop the success of the gospel with people coming to believe and repent after they're taken away. So they were ordinary men, but they'd done an extraordinary act. How is it that they did that? As we can look at sports people and work out how it is that ordinary people with uh, bodies mostly like uh, yours and mine are able to do amazing things. What is it that these ordinary men had done? They'd been with Jesus. They were committed to prayer and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're all things that are available to us. We don't need to have some privileged education. We can spend time with Jesus. We can commit ourselves to prayer. We can make ourselves available and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that, we see that with these men, the word was preached boldly. People were healed in Jesus' name. People came to repent and believe. We know they also lived out their faith practically. Annabelle looked at that a couple of weeks ago, and we'll look at it again in two weeks' time when we do the next part of this chapter. But that practical outworking and living out your faith comes from knowing Jesus, the power in his name, being devoted in prayer and being empowered by the Spirit. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this account. We thank you for Peter and John and their witness in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. We thank you that they had spent time with you, were discipled by you, that they had a growing faith in you and recognised the power in your name. Would you open our eyes afresh to who you are? Would you put the people around us to disciple us? Would you give us a new energy for being your disciples? They were committed to prayer. As a church, would you help us to be committed and devoted to praying together, to gathering together and in one mind and one voice seeking you? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Father, just as people are listening and watching now, if they want to be filled with the Spirit, I just invite them to hold out their hands. Father, we ask that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit as you did the apostles and disciples in this account. Where the room shook and they were able to preach your word boldly. Would you give us boldness to share our faith with our friends and family? Where maybe we are timid, where maybe we are worried about opposition, would your spirit give us the words as your spirit gave Peter the words before the Sanhedrin? As we invite people to Alpha, would you give us the words and the boldness to offer invitations? In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Woody, please check out our website or all our contact details will be on the screen in a moment. We would love to hear from you. If there's anything we can pray for for you, do let us know. If you've got any questions or want to know more, get in touch. We would happily have a conversation with you. I've mentioned that we're running an Alpha course. So if you would like to know more about the Christian faith, get in touch. We would love to give you the opportunity to find out more. Have a great week. <laughs>